Hello, everybody, and welcome to For the Wins bonus podcast edition of Gridiron Geeks, where we talk all things NFL, both real life and fantasy. I'm here, as always, with Steven Ruiz, uh, who is our NFL expert guru, watches too much tape, but we love him for it. Uh, how are you, Steven? I'm feeling much better after that introduction. Really uh, boosted my confidence there. But I actually didn't watch too much football over Thanksgiving. I was in Montreal, and they play curling and and soccer in the, the sports bars, which I found fascinating. Uh, but you did, did you watch the Grey Cup? That's football. I did not. It, that was last night, right? Yeah, it was. Yeah. I did see a couple people in Calgary Stampeders jerseys walking around the airport, so... That was my little Grey Cup experience. <laughs> I see it. That's pretty cool. I, I would like. I would like to see you know some American teams jump in on that. We know it's gonna, never going to happen. But uh, let's get to NFL action. It's uh, Monday uh, before Monday Night Football of Week Twelve, which is insane to me that we have five weeks left of football after uh, Monday Night Football. And as always, we're going to jump in and do our usual uh, four downs, which is four questions that we have that we want to answer this week after. Uh, a pretty interesting Sunday of football. So let's jump into it. And this is a question that I was racking my brain about for, oh, about 45 minutes on Sunday, which is, what is wrong with the Kansas City Chiefs? And I want to turn that over to you because I know you have, like, the exact answers to what the heck's going on. So I feel like I I deserve a little bit of credit for this because I've been kind of hinting at it for the last couple of weeks that I think teams – we're going to eventually figure out how to stop this offense that Andy Reid put together. It was It was a unique offense the first couple of weeks, or the first month and a half, actually, where they used a lot of college concepts to, you know, spring on defenses. And I don't think they were ready for it at first. And I think they've grown more accustomed to stopping those those plays, and we haven't seen them come up with their own adjustment. And I think that's an indictment on Alex Smith, who who just is who he is at this point. I know we love to jump to conclusions when quarterbacks go on these little hot streaks and go, oh, he's changed, he's changed. But no, Alex Smith is the same quarterback he's been for, what, 12 years now? So I think that's what it is. I think they just – I don't think they can just line up and beat you with the quarterback they have right now. And to me, it's more about the defense, too, because I think the defense was playing really well for those first four games. And, you know, we all kind of ignored, like, well, you know, maybe they'll they'll be okay in the, in the secondary. And maybe, you know, the pass rush can cover up for, for some of the, the, the miscues that, that we saw early in the season. And now they just look, uh, like, all over the place on defense. Like, I don't see any semblance of, of, uh, of, of anything that can stop a team and and they you know they're they're a playoff caliber team so they're going to play playoff caliber uh teams of course i say this after losing to the buffalo bills but that was you know on the road that that's a tough team uh sometimes <laughs> they haven't been in, in recent weeks i said in our, our little fantasy studs and duds column that i thought that tyrod taylor was about to have kind of a revenge game kind of did um and and i i'm with you i think that also the personnel is a problem because we've always talked about tyreek hill being kind of the special uh, receiver that can do all kinds of things, um, but he's not like a normal, typical either possession guy or a downfield threat. He's kind of this little hybrid uh, receiver. I don't see them necessarily having, besides Travis Kelsey, kind of a, a traditional uh, receiver. And, you know, I, we talked about Kareem Hunt, too, um, struggling uh, late in the season. And I, I must say, I did not trade him. I did not follow my own advice and trade him in my fantasy league. So now I'm stuck with him and I have no idea what to do with him. So it feels to me like. 
the personnel on offense is also a problem. Do you do you agree with that? To a certain extent, I think losing Chris Conley was was a bigger deal than we made it out to be because he was that deep threat. Right. But I think I think this supporting cast looks a lot better with a quarterback who actually takes chances downfield. And I wrote about this earlier this morning. Alex Smith is still leaving a bunch of plays on the field by just not taking chances and not throwing in tighter windows, which is what you have to do to uh, to be successful at the, in the NFL. And I. I mean, the defense has played worse but than it was the first couple months, but I think it's played well the last two weeks. I mean, it's given up 16 to, to Buffalo, gave up, what, 12 to the Giants? I, I mean, you have to win those games when you when your defense is giving up less than 20 points. And yeah. I think yeah, you're right. I agree with the Tyreek Hill point. I, I, I don't think he's he's that complete number one receiver, but I think he would look more like that with a more competent quarterback. Cause I think he, he does have those downfield receiver skills. He just hasn't had the opportunity to show it all enough. So this is on Alex Smith. That's very interesting. Cause I think Patrick Mahomes, if, if they do bring him in, I don't think they'd do it this season. I think Andy Reid would get raked over the coals, even though I, I thought your column was really well, well written and kind of well reasoned out. Um, do you think that he adds that much of a dynamic difference? I mean, the guy obviously has, has more wheels, than Alex Smith does. And I should stop there and give Alex Smith credit because the guy can run. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, he's always been a runner out of the the pocket, which has been to his credit. Uh, But I think Mahomes, you know, the upside there from what we saw in college is huge, right? Yeah, I'm not really a fan of Mahomes. I I don't think he's going to be a good NFL quarterback unless Andy Reid works miracles just because of how sloppy he was in college. But I, I don't think the gap between him and Alex Smith, like in terms of like veteran quarterback play, I don't think it's that it's that steep. I, Alex Smith has a lot of problems that you would associate with younger quarterbacks. Like he he panics in the pocket easily. He misses open reads. He doesn't give uh, plays enough time to develop. So I I think the drop off, like in terms of you know the mental aspect of the game isn't that steep and I think Mahomes playmaking ability makes up for it he's gonna actually make those tight window throws he's gonna throw more interceptions but he's gonna keep the the team on the field longer by not checking it down on third and ten and actually throwing it downfield and possibly making a play or two so I think you and I and there's also the added benefit of getting him reps and seeing what how good he is going into year two. I think that's going to help him out because you have. I mean, if you're a Chiefs fan, do you really think this season's going to end with a Super Bowl win? Definitely not. Yeah. So so start building towards the future, and obviously Mahomes is your future. You gave up two first round picks and a third round pick for him. Well, this is very exciting for me because they this means the Chiefs are one step closer to blowing this lead and uh, the Chargers, who I said I think maybe five weeks ago could still win this division, could win that division because I really like what, what I'm seeing out of the Chargers, so I, I'm pretty pumped about that. Um, let's go on to our next question, which is a, a gambling question, which we, we deal with from time to time. We, we also, you and I, along with our, our coworker Luke Curtinine, do uh, spreads uh, picks each to, each week, and I'm awful at it. And Stephen is really good at it, so you, you all should should follow him. But here's the question: Is why are NFL uh, favorites uh, against the spread doing so well recently? Um, I'll cite an ESPN article that said that uh, in November favorites are 37, 15, and four against the spread, which is 
insane. And it's, according to ESPN Stats and Info, the best month for favorites against the spread in the Super Bowl era. What do you attribute this to? I think we, there, there are a lot of bad teams in the league, and I think there are uh, a lot of good teams. I think, you know, they're pretty segregated right now. So, they're like, every week, I look at the, the slate of games, and there's always a clear favorite. And I don't know if Vegas has adjusted yet, because it, it always seems like there's at least five lines that are way too small. Like, last week, the, or on Sunday, the Jets and Panthers line, I think, was only minus five. And five? I thought, and the, yeah. And the Panthers played horribly and still won by eight. And the Jets played as good as I've seen them play all season, the, the offense at least. And they still won by eight, and they still covered it with relative ease. So I don't know if Vegas has adjusted to how widespread the gap is between the, the, the haves and the have-nots yet. Right, and that was kind of my take as well uh, with an added thing, which is that there's no middle ground in the NFL right now. I think there are a bunch of teams – at least it seems like maybe it's the matchups that, that that's also a problem. But really, like, how many really, really good teams are there in the NFL? There are, you know, playoff teams basically right now. Um, you and I listed a couple of weeks ago the, the teams that were out. And the teams that were absolutely definitely out are bad. They're just bad teams. Uh, there's just no middle ground uh, for us to bet on. You know, take a team like the Broncos where you could, you know, have kind of uh, Vegas say, oh, well, the defense is pretty good. The offense stinks. So, you know, there's an X factor there that might keep that spread small. Now you look at the Broncos. The Broncos' defense can't stop anybody. The offense can't produce points. So, you know, of course you're going to bet against. I forgot what their spread was, but it was good enough that uh, that was an easy pick uh, this week. Uh, I'm just thinking of teams like that. Um, you know, the Giants obviously upsetting, like, the, the Chiefs last week. That's kind of an upset. But, uh, yeah, there are teams around the NFL that, that uh, Pittsburgh didn't cover last night. Uh, so that's kind of interesting. That's a game that I think that, that Vegas said, if we lose that one, we're, we're taking a bath this week. Um, but, yeah, I, I, there's no middle ground. There's either good and there's bad and there's no in-between. I think uh, the only in-between team, like, I can think of that people actually bet on, I think the Cardinals, because the Jaguars, when you're going uh, west, going – uh, on the road and playing a tough defensive team. I'm sure the public, I think the public's also gotten better at betting. Do you, do you think that's also a factor? I think part of it, uh, but I think the, the, the underdogs winning has been easy to see coming. Like the, like you mentioned the Jaguars game, like who's laying five points on Blake Bortles on the road, right? A, a decent defense. Like, that was an easy game to pick for me. So was the chiefs game. The bills, I think they, the Bills were getting 10 points. I don't think Vegas was paying attention to the Chiefs the last few weeks because that line was way too high. Yeah, it's weird. And, I, yeah, I, I don't get it. I guess we got to say Vegas do better. But, you know, of course, they, they're usually good. So I, I have a feeling that December will be the month where, you know, the, the adjustments are made and they come back uh, and, and win some more money back because Vegas always wins. And we know this from NFL betting. Um, and I should also add a caveat that Steven is always right and I'm always wrong. So basically, you know, uh, just follow him and, and, and uh, uh, ignore my picks. Anyway, let's go into question number three, something that I'm a little more well-versed in, which is fantasy football. What should we expect out of Josh Gordon uh, the rest of the way? It, the news is that he's going to start uh, playing next week, week 13. And the team seems so confident that about um, him coming back that they're not going to give him an extra week of, of reps before they throw him into the, to the game. So I'm going to start off by saying I am so pumped about the Josh Gordon comeback story. I've written about it before. And I, I actually went from going I, – I went from basically writing 
you know, pick up Josh Gordon if you're in a keeper league and, and start him next year and hope for the best next year. But uh, the needle has slowly moved to like he might be really useful in by week 15 because I think he, I talked about how he, you need to catch up to the speed of the NFL. Um, but then there's also reports that he's still running, you know, like he used to. Um, there are going to be a lot of opportunities to catch balls in, in catch-up games for the Browns. Um, I think he'll be plenty open. You know, we got Corey Coleman on the other side of the field who, who's played really well the last couple of weeks. So I'm absolutely, I have him now in three leagues. I'm rostering Josh Gordon in both keeper and, and single season leagues in the hopes that maybe in the last few weeks he flashes some of what we saw three years ago. Yeah, I agree. And I think, I think we even have a more recent example of him flashing that potential. Last preseason, he was dominant at time catching deep balls like crazy. So I think there's I think he's still in shape. I think he's still in football shape. And based on his social media photos, he's clearly uh he's clearly kept in shape. And I think his schedule is kind of favorable. I mean they play the Chargers next week, which could be difficult just because of that pass rush. And they play the Ravens two weeks after that and the Ravens defense has been really good this year. But the Packers I think we saw what Antonio Brown did, did to them yesterday. I think he can rack up a lot of points against them. And the Bears, I think the same thing. And, and then if you have a league that's still playing in Week 17, the, the Steelers will probably have nothing left to play for. So <clears throat> he'll, he'll get time against backups in that game. So, yeah, I think the potential is definitely there. I think he's definitely he definitely deserves a spot on your roster if he's still available. And and I'm in in like three wide receiver leagues. I'm absolutely all over Corey Coleman. I think Corey Coleman's looked terrific. He had eight targets this week. He ended up with three catches, um, which means catches looked better. And and all around, I'm I'm just needles, you know, the, the arrows pointing up on, uh, on on that that whole offense. And I'm really intrigued to see what what happens. Uh, would you rather have Corey Coleman right now or Josh Gordon? I think Gordon. I think. When he comes back, he 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 becomes the the focal point of the offense immediately, and and I'm pretty high on Coleman. He he had a good game yesterday, except for the one drop, which I think would have given him like maybe a hundred yards and a touchdown. So yeah. he could have done better. And Kaiser is definitely playing better of late. I think he's played solidly in three of his last four games, which is is what you expect out of a 21 year old who's still learning how to play. Yeah, we, we're so quick to write off these guys. Kaiser was pretty bad over his first eight games but he was showing traits of a good quarterback and I think that's starting to bear fruit now and I think going into next year he'll be I think he'll give that off uh, that front office second thought about taking a quarterback high in the draft totally agree and that actually is a good segue to talk about another quarterback who is now on the struggling side of things um We've talked about Dak Prescott a lot on, on the on the podcast on the site. Uh, is Dak Prescott still a bona fide franchise quarterback? And you said something that, that triggered that that thought in me, which is you know don't give up so easily. Uh, I'll let you go first, and then I'll kind of expand on that. And it, this also relates to the Alex Smith thing. We we get too excited about small sample sizes. I mean, Dak Prescott has what three games of being. A, a mediocre quarterback, at least statistically. And then, what, 18, no, more than that, 20-something games of him being a really good quarterback. Obviously, the last three games have been without Ezekiel Elliott, so people will say, oh, he was a product of Elliott. But I don't think that's true. I don't think defenses have adjusted that much to Elliott being gone, at least from what I've seen. I think they still don't fear anyone 
on the Cowboys' receiving core, at least beating them deep so they could still play close to the line of scrimmage. And he's still getting good production out of his running game. I think it's just been a combination of the receivers not getting open, a tougher schedule, and he's made like two or three mistakes over the last couple games that he usually hasn't made in his career. And I think that has, you know, caused people to jump the gun a little bit. Yeah, I'm with you. I, and it's funny because I've I've <laughs> I've talked a lot about how much I think the hype on Dak was too much. But at the same time, I also, you know, hopefully, you know, our coworkers like to say that I have the most reasonable takes. And I, I, I sometimes hate that because I really want to be like, Dak is not a franchise quarterback. But what is a franchise quarterback, really? A franchise quarterback is Eli Manning. We're going to get to him later. But like a guy who you hang on to, who plays your, for your team for 10 years, who you expect year to year to be solid. Um, it's it's not necessarily a replacement level player, but it's a, a quarterback you can rely on. And I think Dak Prescott is still that guy you can rely on. I don't think, you know, jumping to the conclusion saying, oh, they should cut him or, you know, he's not the real deal. There were so many people after Thanksgiving who were calling for Tony Romo to come out of the booth. And I was like, give me a break. You know, we're, we're in year two with Dak. Uh, there's still so much upside with him. Uh, and I, yeah, I don't think it's necessarily an Ezekiel Elliott being out problem. I just think, you know, he's going to go through uh, some some waves of, of good and bad, and, and he's in the middle of a, a rough patch. I think when he gets, like you said, better receivers, I think Des Bryant isn't 100%, which I said last week as well, and I, I'm, I believe that for, for fantasy owners as well, that, that they're in trouble with Dak, uh, with uh, Des right now. Um, I just think that I'd, I'd like to see more out of, out of Dak in the next two years before I make a pronouncement that he's not a franchise quarterback. If we see more of the struggles like this, uh, then, then yeah, they might give up on him uh, in, in Dallas. But you can't make that conclusion. How many games in his career? Like, basically 19 games? Uh, it, it's absurd. You can't make those conclusions yet. And uh, I don't think his – there's a difference between process and results, I think. As long as your process is good, you're going to be consistent. Like, results aren't aren't consistent. Like, any quarterback can put up big stats over three games, and any quarterback can put up bad stats over three games. But as long as you're doing the right things, and I, it, you're going to get back on track eventually. And j- watching that that Chargers game, I watched it. I watched a replay because I, I didn't see I didn't see the game live, and I, I was paying attention to Twitter, and I saw everyone say, you know, Dak's a bust. He's trash. And then I went back and watched the game expecting him to play poorly, and I was watching it. I was, like, at the fourth quarter, and I was like, he's played, like, as well as you could expect him to play. Like, he's throwing the ball accurately. He's making good decisions. And then he threw the two bad interceptions. They were bad, but I don't think they were awful. I think at that point they were just pressing because they were down by a bunch of points. And I was thinking, like, he he, he isn't playing that poorly. He just ha- doesn't have anyone to throw to right now. No one's getting open. So I think as long as he continues playing like this and the schedule lightens up a, a bit where he's not playing Joey Bosa, Melvin Ingram, Fletcher Cox, uh, Adrian Claiborne when he's going up against Chaz, Chaz Green, as long as he's not playing those guys every week, I think he'll get back on track as soon as this season. All right. I, th- that's an interesting prediction. And by the way, it was not 19 games. I looked up 27 games in his career, which is still not that many. And, and it's like everyone everyone pumped the brakes for a little bit. Um, let's move on. We're going to do a little fun thing because and, – and I want you to intro this because it came out of a discussion you were having on Sunday. We're going to do, is he a Hall of Famer or not? And, and where did this come from at first? So it started with Frank Gore. Uh, my coworker, Chris Gorman, posed the question, is Frank Gore a Hall of Famer? And 
I had to think about it a lot because you look at his stats and obviously he has Hall of Fame stats, but how much do we put on longevity and excellence? Like, I think you have to weigh those two when you're talking about the Hall of Fame. At least for me, I have high standards for the Hall of Fame. And As you should. It's the Hall of Fame. Some, exactly. And I think we've, like, kind of lost that over the last few years. I think as long as you put up the stats, like, oh, yeah, yeah, he's in, he's in. But with Gore, have you ever thought of him as, like, one of the best backs in the NFL, or has he always just been really good? Right. Exactly. So what? What? where did you land on in the discussion? I I say no. Yeah. I've never thought of him. Like, at any one time, I've never thought this is a Hall of Fame-type player right now in this moment. It's it's just been his longevity that has, like, eventually, you know, got him over that hump where he's got the statistics where people will say, oh, yeah, he's a Hall of Famer. I think he can get in, like, down the line when people are kind of, like, forget, like, what we think of him now. They'll, they'll, they'll just look at his stats and go, oh, yeah, how is he not in the Hall of Fame? Look at these stats he put up without ever thinking, like, what were our thoughts on him at the time? Yeah, the, the I, you know what it is? It's the eye test versus the stat test. I think that that always comes into play for me. And I'm with you. My standards for any Hall of Fame are way higher than I think what ends up happening with Hall of Fame, which slowly kind of goes down a little bit with certain players that are that are on the border that for reasons other than you know the simple question of is he a hall of famer isn't he they they end up in there um and frank gore is one of those guys i mean you look at his his consistency that to me is a huge thing he's had all but uh, uh he's played for 13 years and he's had all but one to three seasons uh under a thousand yards right so that's that's one thing. He scored uh, 77 touchdowns. That's kind of huge. But I'm with you. I think he's a compiler. I think he's ended up with great numbers because he's just kept playing and kept getting carries even at an advanced stage for a running back. The guy is 34 now. Um, and usually running backs these days are done after, what, like 28, 29. Um, it's funny he has more yardage than Adrian Peterson, who to me is a bona fide first ballot, no doubt about it, running back um, Hall of Famer. And the last of an era of players, uh, along with Gore, who were sort of three down backs, no doubt about it, and, and out of the age of, of, the, uh, of, of the running back by committee. So I'm going to say no on Gore, and, and sad, sad as it is, he's going to be potentially um, uh, the only guy in that top 20, I want to say. And actually, Edron James isn't in there either. Um, let's say top 15. Let's cut it off there. It's him, Peterson, who will definitely get in. I hope you agree with that. Frank Gore. And and uh, uh, Edron James, who have not made it to the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I think Peterson is definitely in because he's he may not have the same stats as Frank Gore, but he has he has that he was the the he had he was the best running back in the league for like a five year stretch there. Right. I think you need to be one of the elite players at your position for for multiple years to get in. So and Frank Gore just hasn't been that. He's been on the the cusp of one of the best running backs in the league probably for the last decade, but he's never broken into that, that uh, elite company. I'll tell you where he belongs. He belongs in the fantasy hall of fame because uh, every year you doubt Frank Gore and every year he produces, let's go on to another guy. Uh, I'm going to throw out there. Jason Witten is another guy you, you talked about. What do you think about him? I think a lot of people, are going to disagree with me, especially Cowboys fans, but I don't see him as a Hall of Famer. It's wow! The same, it's the same thing as Frank Gore. I think he's never been a top five tight end. Okay, maybe he's been a top five tight end. Yes, he has. The tight end position, so you have to... 
think you have to lower the you have to raise the bar a little bit. Like tight ends don't just get into the Hall of Fame all the time. Has he ever been better than Antonio Gates? No, 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 no. no. That's not. I'm not saying that he doesn't have to be though. He's been one of the all-time great leaders in the tight end category. But go on. I'll let you finish. Is his, what's on. his peak? Like, is his peak better than Delaney Walker's peak? <laughs> Yes, I'm gonna say yes. He's been Mr. Reliable no, in Dallas. No, it's not. He's been he's been a reliable outlet. That's his peak. Like he was a good outlet for Tony Romo. <laughs> I just love that you compared him to Delaney Walker, who I love by the way. But it's just like... Delaney Walker's best year is better than J- Jason Witten's best year. I don't know about that. You, you got a guy who's had. Let me just let me just make his statistical case. He's had. Um, uh, I'm gonna count it. Uh, receiving um, his second year had 87 receptions. He has a 96, 81, 94, 94, 110 in in 2012. Um, uh, you know the the guy it, it produces like crazy. 66 touchdowns overall. I I gotta say, and yes, the, okay. So so the, his post 30 years, 30 years of age years, not that great. Uh, and, and that's where you might be able to make a case. But before that, I think he's still, of, of that era, one of the all-time best tight ends. Uh, and I think he deserves to get in. I'm going to go vote yes for him. Um, but I, I'm sure there are a lot of people out there who are going to agree with you, for sure. He averages 10 yards per reception. He yeah. had, how many touchdowns does he average? For, he had one. He's never had double-digit touchdowns. He's had more than five only four times and not not once since or once since 2010. Yeah, I just I think he's a really, really good player. I even think I'm probably underappreciating him right now because he is a good blocker and that should count for something. But have you ever Okay, you're a Giants fan. So maybe this is maybe this isn't a good question to ask you. But when you play the Cowboys, are you afraid of Jason Witten? Well, you know what you're going to get. But see, the, my my, and this is you're absolutely right that I have some bias as a Giants fan. I've seen Jason Witten burn the Giants way too many times. It's not that you expect explosivity out of him, but you expect him to grab like six, seven balls a game. Like, I, I think what what you're looking at is necessarily like the the explosiveness. And I'm I'm a guy who also loves reliability, and there is no tight end from that era. Besides Antonio Gates, and I'll have to now I'm going to start looking through tight end names that, that I can think of than him. I mean, Jimmy Graham comes to mind, but he like Jimmy he, Graham's a better player than Jason Wade. Yes, Stop. but he's but and and if he keeps it up, he'll be a Hall of Famer. But yes, I I think we're looking at explosivity versus consistency. Something we talk about a lot. Um, I, I'll give you the last word on this, then we'll move on because we could spend a lot more time on this. But I, it's a good argument. I just don't think. Teams were like, oh, man, we have to stop Jason Witten. I don't think anyone was doubling Jason Witten. I think he got all of his yards because they were more focused on the Cowboys' other weapons. All right. We'll see. Like, I think, think, yeah, I think he'll end up there, though. I, I'm pretty sure he'll end up in the Oh, yeah, end. he definitely will. I don't think he deserves I think he's in the Hall of Hall of very good. I just don't. He's not in my Hall of Fame. Okay, fair enough. Uh, I love I love this. This is, this is fun because because Steve and I usually agree about a lot of stuff, and he's also really smart. So let's let's go to another guy. Philip Rivers is he a Hall of Famer? Yes or no? Oh yeah, for sure. Oh, I, interesting. I, I, okay, I think he's on the border. But go ahead. I think he's the best quarterback from the 2004 draft class, without a doubt. I think Ooh. if you put him on the Steelers, he has more than. The two rings Ben Roethlisberger has, I think he. If you put him on the Giants, he has more. Uh, he probably has the same two rings that Eli has. Yeah, I just think he's a better quarterback. Yeah, I think he. 
he's been more he he's put up stat better stats too. He doesn't have the wins those two guys have, but you know, it's a team sport and the Hall of Fame is an individual honor. So yeah, I think he's he's been one of the top five quarterbacks a couple times throughout his career. He's been on that. I don't think he's gotten credit for being elite, but I've written this in the past. I think he is an elite quarterback when surrounded with the right people. He shows it. I think he's always been an elite quarterback, but when you put him with a good, a decent offensive line and some good receivers, which I think he had in, what was it? 2014. The last time they made the playoffs, he was an MVP candidate for much of that year. And I think that just shows how good he is. Yeah, I, I think the answer is ultimately yes. I pause because of the era that we're in with all the, the passing that we see and, and, and you know, because it's become a pass-heavy league. Um, tenth in, in, in um, uh, yards all-time, he'll probably pass Warren Moon at some point real soon. Um, but, yeah, I think that, that it, it, you know, what comes to mind for me is the Dan Marino argument that everyone says, oh, Dan Marino's not a top-five quarterback because he didn't win a ring. Well, that's not true. That is absurd. Dan Marino was the best quarterback of his uh, – generation arguably i think among them um and i think that the fact that he didn't win a ring is not just his fault and not all on him you know it's like if it's not it's not dan Marino can win the big one it's the dolphins could win the big one so i think you you translate argument to rivers who's been if we talk about consistency consistently really 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 good especially in this era uh of, of heavy passing um so i think the answer is ultimately yes i just pause partially because of a guy like Ben Roethlisberger who's up there as well, who's won rings more, and Aaron Rodgers, for example, who's who's going to move up the charts considerably in the next few years. Um, but, yeah, I think ultimately the answer is yeah. Yeah, and I I, I think he's had a, he had a, a year where he should have probably won MVP. I'm blanking on what year it was. Uh, I think it was 2008. He probably should have won MVP. So I think that would have gotten gotten him in for sure. And then you look back at the what was it 2007 the year the uh, the Patriots went undefeated in that AFC Championship game you can't put that on him he was playing on a torn ACL and yeah that, that Tomlin was on the sideline with uh, a minor injury in a jacket with his helmet on not even thinking about going back in the game I mean if you question his ability to win just go go back and watch that game he played well and kept them in that game. Yeah, he's. It's not his fault the Chargers never got to a Super Bowl. Right, I agree. And hey, they're going to win the division this year, so maybe they will. Um, let's go on to this one. This is one where Stevens torturing me. He said to me, "Talk about Eli Manning," and I absolutely will. He's not making the Hall of Fame. He's not a Hall of Fame quarterback. I'm a Giants fan. I've watched most of his snaps, uh, if not all of them, uh, and he is a great quarterback. He is. If we talk about <laughs> franchise quarterbacks, he's a franchise quarterback. He's not a Hall of Famer. That's okay. Um, he's allowed not to be, but he was a really solid quarterback. I really enjoyed watching him. I think he might get in on just by compiling a, a ton of yards, but I wouldn't vote for him if I was voting for it. I'll leave it at that. I'm going to take exception with you calling him a great quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> he was so clutch in the playoffs. He made two. Uh, I can't argue it's just it. Small he's, sample sizes. Uh, I just, I, you know, this is my bias. I think he, it, in his prime, he was he was very very good. Can I still say great? Yeah, I, I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to stick with my argument, but I'm I'm going to cry about it. At his peak, he was like, uh, I'd say bottom half of the top ten. There you go. That that's great. That's good. <laughs> that's, great. that's Matt Stafford. 
Uh, Matt Stafford. Okay. I see. I, would I rather have obviously, Matt Stafford? I don't though? Think, yeah, obviously, I don't think Eli's a Hall of Famer. I think he's he's lived up to the number one pick. I think he's certainly done that. He's been good enough. And he's, he obviously won two Super Bowls, although I think the defensive line had a little more to do with that than, than him. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll move, we'll move on because I can't, I can't do this without hurting my heart too much. Uh, but uh, let's go with somebody who we were just talking about. You know, Brandon Marshall. Is Brandon Marshall a Hall of Famer? No, I think I like Brandon Marshall a lot. I think he's put up great stats. He's been good with a lot of mediocre quarterbacks. And, but I think it comes down to era. He's put up yards in an era where receivers are all putting up a bunch of yards. And we've seen how hard it is for receivers to get in. Chris Carter had to wait. Tim Brown had to wait. These guys put up great stats in eras where all the receivers weren't putting up great stats and they had to wait. And then I think the playoff thing, he's never been to the playoffs. I think voters are going to use that against him, even though I don't think that's on him at all. But I think that will count against him when it's time to vote. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, he's not a Hall of Famer. I think the the um, bar for receivers has gone up considerably. And so Larry Fitzgerald will get in, but I don't think a guy like Brandon Marshall, who's right now 23rd on all-time uh, receiving yards, will get in. Yeah, just but imagine if he played with like a good quarterback throughout his career. Like, I think if he played with Peyton Manning, he's putting up Reggie Wayne-type numbers, and he's getting in. Yeah, absolutely. So I don't think it's absolutely his – it's not his fault that he's not a Hall of Famer. I think he has Hall of Fame talent. He also had injury problems, which probably limited what he did in his career. But in terms of talent, I think he's a Hall of Fame talent. He just didn't have the right pieces, the right circumstances to to actually realize that potential. Yeah, two other guys that we talked about, and I'll, I'll lump them in together so we can we can finish this one. Elvis Dumerville and James Harrison are either of them getting in? Where, where's where do you land? So th- I think this goes back to the, the Frank Gore and Jason Witten argument. I don't think – I think Harrison has a better chance because there was a year where he was the best defensive player in the league. He won Defensive Player of the Year. I think he probably had like two years where he was an elite defensive player. So I think he has a better chance. But Dumerville is like Frank Gore and Jason Witten where he's kind of just been there. He's kind of been like on the fringe of elite. And he's been racking up stats by being, like, a really good player. But I don't think he was ever a Hall of Fame player. He was never like, oh, man, how are we going to block Elvis Dumerville? Right. And and the funny thing is this came up because I was looking through the sack leaders and I was like, whoa, he's got 103.5. And if I have that reaction, I think that's very telling. I think that's telling me that, you know, Elvis Dumerville has been really good and I've really enjoyed watching him. You know, uh, we're talking about two guys who are kind of undersized. Um but what's crazy is, by the way, is that Elvis Dumerville has two seasons with 17 sacks each. And that's, like, kind of mm-hmm. crazy. So he's had two really dominant seasons. Um, but I just don't think he gets in. I think you're right. He's a compiler. He's now 33 years old. Um, and James Harrison, to me, is an eyeball test guy. You know, I also think his story fits. You know, it worked his tail off as an undrafted player. We, you know, cut a few times. And he comes back and, and, and becomes this you know, seriously dominant player on a seriously dominant team uh, a few times. And, yeah, I think he's he's in. Yeah, he's borderline for me. I think he might be hard to vote for just because some of the things that he's done in his career. But, sure. uh, yeah, I think, I think he eventually gets in. I think being on the Steelers definitely helps. And then that play he made in the Super Bowl it helps a lot, too, because people like to remember moments and – so I think he'll get in on the strength of that. 
I don't know if he's in my Hall of Fame, but I would not argue against him making it in. True. There you go. Let's do some some two other things before we, we get out of here. Uh, would you rather, we do a question every week where we pick which one you'd rather have. Would you rather, as a fantasy owner, have Julia, I called him Julia, Julio Jones or A.J. Green? And I ask this because I've owned A.J. Green in, in a league like three times, and I love him. Um, but I think I would rather have Julio Jones for the explosivity factor. Um, AJ Green's a little more consistent. He does have ex- his explosive games, but his floor is a 66-yard game. His his ceiling is one of those 200-yarders. But with Julio, you have a chance at 100 yards every game. Even though this year's been really rough, he just put up a 50-point in here in PPR league point game on 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 Sunday. What's what's your feeling? So this is like the age-old fantasy question. Would you rather have like the consistent guy or the, the guy with the high ceiling? And I, I think I'm going to go with A.J. Green just mm-hmm. because you know he's going to get the most targets on that team every single week. I mean, he has Andy Dalton throwing to him, which brings him down an option compared to Matt Ryan at least. Hasn't stopped him. <laughs> it hasn't, it hasn't stopped him throughout his career. Imagine if he played with a Matt Ryan his whole career. Yeah. But anyway uh, – yeah, the Falcons just have too many mouths to feed. Even with Devontae Freeman out, they just have so many guys they can feed the ball. Like, the only way you know Julio Jones is getting the ball on a passing play is if they have Mohamed Sanu throw it. Yeah, that was crazy. Great play. Um, yeah, I, it, it is that argument. And it's funny because my, my friends who are listening, they'll probably say, like, you're ridiculous. You've owned AJ Green. You love consistent players. You don't go for explosivity. But I, I, I haven't spent the money in auctions on a guy like Julio Jones because I like my like my week-to-week guys. But so maybe next year I'll, I'll you know, throw out some money on a, a more explosive guy. Um, start bench cut is a game we play every week where we force ourselves to start bench or cut somebody or something or a team and this week we're going to do it with the nfc south teams so which one do you start which one do you bench which one do you cut of the saints panthers and falcons who are vying for the nfc south crown and some wildcard spots oh uh this is tough to answer i i just because i don't know if marshawn Lattimore is going to come back 100 percent, but if he does i think the saints are the clear the clear favorite to win it also. I'm going to start them. And then, man, I was, the Panthers would have been an obvious pick for, uh, to bench before yesterday, before they struggled to beat the Jets. And then the Falcons looked, uh, they looked pretty good against the, the Bucks. But I think I'm going to stick with the Panthers on the bench and then cut the Falcons. I just still don't trust what we're seeing out of Atlanta yet. I don't think they're all the way back. I, I don't think they're, they will be without Kyle Shanahan calling the plays. And I'm still suspect of that defense. So I'm going to go, I'm going to cut the Falcons. And I, I think they end up, I think they could end up missing the playoffs. They still play the Panthers. Do they play the Saints? Do they play the Saints twice? I think they, they do. Yeah, let me look at their, I had their schedules up just for this very reason. Um, yeah, they play um, New Orleans twice. Yeah, so they have a tough schedule. And I, I think at any moment they can go back to that team we saw in the middle of the year. Yep, I'm with you. Uh, it, it, it's exactly that. I think the Saints end up winning that division. I think Marshawn Lattimore, as we saw yesterday, is a huge difference maker if he's out there. The, the Saints, you know, you got to drop him down a few pegs. Um, 
And I think the Panthers are still a, at least a wild card team, if not winning that division. And the Falcons, that schedule is brutal. So I'm oh, going to take go. the Vikings next week. Yeah. 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 That's it's that's a troublesome game. Uh, so, yeah, I agree with you. Let's uh, let's finish out as we always do with our uh, top five teams. I'll start uh, the Patriots still at the top uh, until they get knocked down. I think the Eagles, number two, I was with a bunch of cousins who are from Philadelphia who are, you know, they're nervous about it. Um, uh, but I said the Eagles are the best, well, most rounded team in the NFL right now. But still, they're number two until uh, otherwise, uh, if they do well. Uh, number three, the Steelers. Uh, that was a nice uh, uh, win, you know, the last second. But it's a win, so it counts. Number four, the Vikings. I, I had the Saints here last week. I'm bumping down the Saints to five just because I think the Vikings – are really, really, really tough team to beat. And uh, uh, so the Saints at five. The Rams are just behind them. And the Jaguars, who I had at number five, fell out. Um, just because of the Blake Bortles factor, it's a reminder that the Jaguars have Blake Bortles at quarterback. And if they're in a road situation uh, in the playoffs, uh, that is a huge factor. Who you got? I have the Patriots first, uh, the Eagles second, and I still think that gap is closing every week. Uh, I'll go with the Vikings third, just because how that defense is playing, when I compare them to the Steelers, if I like look at the matchup, I think that defense gets the better of Ben Roethlisberger. He's still turning the ball over a bunch. He threw two picks. I think Mike Zimmer's defense would goad him into a couple interceptions if they played. So I'll go with the Vikings third, Steelers fourth. And then number five, I'm going to go with the Rams. Nice. Just because of the uncertainty with Lattimore, and I think that defense is really, playing really well. I think it's probably one of the three best defenses in the league right now. Uh, and then the offense is obviously ridiculous with Sean McVay calling the plays. So, yeah, that's my top five. Love it. All right, well, we'll, we'll see you all next week for week 13, and uh, thanks for listening. We'll see you all next week.